Welcome everybody to an episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host, Maz, joined here with my boy, Jordan. Yes, and we are covering the final half. Final half, second half. Yeah, second half of season one of Legend of Korra. Um, what do you think? Now that um, season was, one is done. Season one was a good kickoff to get us some background for Korra, because you needed it, obviously. But season two... Man, I really enjoyed season two. The the antagonist Amon. Well, we haven't. Oh no, we're all, we're doing the second half of season one, so it's still season one. Yes, yes, yes. Season one. I'm saying going into season two, we we're gonna get more. We're gonna get more of the antagonist. Correct. He's dead. Amon is not. He's not. Oh, that's right. He is dead. I'm sorry. I, I kind of forgot that the blo- the boat blew up at the beginning. That was okay. Let's talk about that. I kind of forgot about that. For which a is weird because that's like basically one of the last scenes. But let's go ahead right. and talk about that scene. That scene was a little, was heavy, right? Like that that scene was not light at all. It no, was it was, it was take. He knew what he was doing though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but mean, he, he opens up the fuel canister and. Sends electricity through it, blowing himself and his brother up. That's it a was, hard decision to make. It is a very hard decision, and it it was again that was kind of heavy uh, that scene because mm-hmm. you felt it right. Like they've just been through so much, and yeah, no, it it was it was huge. That's uh, tough. Yeah, I mean that I I didn't even think he was gonna die, right? I I really thought that they were gonna go do something else. And I thought we were going to have going into season two more of Amon, but obviously we um can't have somebody that's in blown up to pieces episode. So, but I, I enjoyed the antagonist Amon. I mean, I enjoyed him a lot. That that whole scenario. You know what I'm saying? Uh yeah. No, I uh, okay. What do you think of the whole setup with Tarlock? Noah talk, and then you know their father being the bloodbender. That that Ang was warning her through the visions and whatnot. The bloodbender thing, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's actually pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I like. Um, it still kind of maintains it, where it's just, it's just some people have weird type of bending. I, I look at it as like some people, like you know, in the real world where we have like mutations, like some people are born with extra fingers or just weird, you know, genetic cellular mutations. So when it comes to bending, it takes place in a different way. Like, like the combustion man who could blow things up with his mind. Right. Um, which funnily enough, Sokka actually brought that up as part of his, like, you know, final judgment for the trial that, you know, right. I once bested a man with my trusty boomerang who could, you know, fire bend with his mind who could essentially. Right. Um, Which is fucking hilarious, or freaking sorry, yeah. freaking hilarious because, really, ultimately, in the scheme of things, I was laughing so hard at his, like, his stance on it. Because I mean, to be honest with you, if it wasn't for, I, he almost gets lucky, man. It's almost a little bit of luck. Who? Um, Sokka. Yeah, so you're talking about with the boomerang thing. Yeah, with the boomerang. Thing. Oh yeah, for a sure. A little bit of luck to that. I mean, I well, okay, no, no, no. Actually, no, I disagree. Okay, it's all not... right, here it comes. No, no. no. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. He, it's not like he just threw it all willy nilly, right? Boomerang was his weapon of choice even before the sword. 
Master boomerang. And, master. and you saw him measure, right? Like he he saw where it the target was and he calculated where the curve needed to happen. And he, you see him do the whole calculation and throw it. Dude, when you're, when you're at that range from that angle with that calculation, I don't think that's luck. I don't know, man. It just seems like that just seems like a boomerang is luck. How's it luck? You saw him. Fo- Dude, have you ever thrown a boomerang? Okay. Have you seen Saka throw a boomerang? He yes. pretty much always hits his target, first of all. Second of all, he hit it dead on, and you saw him do the full, like like I said, calculation. Like, he intentionally, like, you know, estimated out with every, like, his practice and whatnot. I, you know what? I'll take, I'll just take your explanation as hard. No, I mean, no, I'm not just saying that. Don't just take my explanation. I'm just saying that, like, you know, if you, like, you've thrown a boomerang, right? Yeah. But how many times have you, how many times have you thrown it? 15 times, maybe. Okay. He's probably thrown it 15 times within an hour when he was a kid. Dude, I can take it. I'll I'll take that explanation. (laughs) The only reason I'm taking that explanation is because. You know what, dude? I'm gonna start throwing a boomerang every day just to prove. Go you ahead. Right. Yeah, go by all means, and I guarantee you, if you put actual practice into it, because it was a legitimate weapon. Fine, by the dude. Way. You better, you better keep your head when you're walking through the parking lot to get into jujitsu. You better keep your head because I'm chucking boomerangs, and Sounds if I can good. figure out how to hit you, Sounds good. it's coming at you. <laughs> and if it hits me, and you practiced, you're right. It would not be luck, right? You would have practiced, right? But if I miss. For the next year, <laughs> yeah, yeah then maybe you need to look up some guides on how to, get, how to handle better. how to handle a boomerang. I actually want to look that up because there, I agree with you in just the way the boomerang actually moves and whatnot. It doesn't look like it's uh, and clearly it wasn't a very effective weapon because it takes so much practice, right? Sure, you're better off just to, it's more effective to cheat, teach someone how to fire an arrow or fire a crossbow, right? Crossbow, right. especially. Yeah, especially crossbow. So, it yeah. Um, I don't know. It, I do think that uh, a boomerang. I don't think it's an effective. And you you see it even with soccer, right? Like he even th- doesn't think it's an effective weapon. Why? Because he shifted over from a boomerang to a sword. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and then again, I can give soccer that. I can give soccer the fact that he understood. Like, oh, dude, I have a sword now. This is way better. Yeah. So um, maybe I don't know, man. You haven't seen me get good with the boomerang yet, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Um, okay, what do you think of General Iroh having the same voice actor as Zuko? Love it. When I uh, did you freak out as much as a how old was I? Seventeen-year-old Maz freaked out. Um. I don't think I freaked out that much, but I was like, hey, I know that voice. Hey, that's cool. They used uh, General Iroh's voice, or um, Google's voice for General Iroh, yeah, which yeah. was really cool. So that whose kid is that? I'm trying to figure that so out. So that's his grandson. That that's is his, what I thought. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's Zuko's grandson. We don't know quite yet as far as, like, if he had a son and then that son had a son or if he had a daughter. and then yeah. But, yeah, so that's his grandson. Um which is so cool, man. I love yeah. seeing that stuff. And it, you know, my favorite character so far is Tenzin's little boy. Milo? Yeah. I love Milo. Yeah. Dude, he's my favorite. Milo. Okay, let's be honest here. Milo, low-key, he's like, what, 
six, seven, seven, seven. something like that. Yeah. He low key is an airbend, like a master. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like his airbending is really good. A lot of these other benders are um, having a hard time with the chi blockers, like Amon's chi blockers, right? Mm -hmm. And here he is. Farting in their face, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Taste my fury. Um, Freaking love it. I was, I was, okay, like, as an adult, when you're, like, sitting here watching this, and it's like, the, like this, it's kind of childish for, like, him to obviously shit in the dude's face, or fart in the dude's face, I should say. Sorry. But, like, I was smiling like a five-year-old the entire time that kid was fighting i was like yeah yes, no, it was awesome. man. and okay so that's another thing too uh that i do want to bring up is that a lot of uh airbending the style of airbending is very much avoidance right it's passivity yeah it's uh go with the flow avoid as soon as you hit a brick wall you just turn and then move around that is how airbenders like their style is so that makes sense that stylistically they're good against cheap blockers because they're not static right um, right and so, on top of that another thing too there's like four airbenders in the world at this point the world doesn't know how to fight against airbenders and that's right. actually one of the things that ang had a massive uh, massive advantage when in in the original show was that None of the people he knew that he fought against had practiced fighting against airbenders because they couldn't. Yeah, because they, yeah, they all the airbenders were dead, right? He was the last airbender he, there. So, and uh, let me tell you again, drawing from my martial arts experience, if you've only ever fought a Muay Thai fighter with orthodox stance, as soon as you find a boxer with southpaw stance, you're not going to know how to deal with it. Uh, right, right. So let me let me pose this question since we're on the topic, and I guess so. Let me put it this way: What if there was a jujitsu style bending, like you had to grapple I with the person for it to work a lot? Um, how would how would you how would you have to implement that into the show to show that they're actually doing jujitsu forms? Like when you get them in a headlock, is it just like their head explodes? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, like bending wise, like what kind of bending would it be? Right. Right. Um, like if, but are you saying like if someone used a jujitsu style of fighting in one of the existing four bending elements? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. I think first of all, let, let's talk real quick. What and and I've thought about this relatively extensively. Which bending element goes closest with jujitsu style? Okay, now, obviously, but, there's you can have like we've seen fighters from like waterbenders who fight like they're earthbenders or whatever, or like we've seen like the Dai Li who are earthbenders but they fight like they're firebenders, right? So, right. keeping that in mind, yes, putting that aside, which element do you think jitsu goes with? Uh, dude, it either has to be water or air or water or earth, obviously, because you can get that grind style mentality in yeah. jujitsu. I was thinking water or earth myself. Um, and then water more of the flow style jujitsu, <clears throat> but you know it's it's hard to tell because grappling is just not like yeah it, most because, of the styles are tai chi right uh I don't know about tai chi but I think all the styles are striking based yes so um yeah air bending I know is kung fu like the Shaolin oh really one. yeah oh, okay I didn't know that I thought it was all uh, just like a form of um, tai chi really. So that's that's news to Jordan. 
this needs to be shortened. Um, but yeah, I think I know, and I know. Um, I remember seeing like the you know the making of style for Toph. They said that she had the praying mantis style of karate or something like that. Like uh, it was very a lot of like flowy, almost flowy. Like if you see when she does her earth thing, when she's reading the earth, she will like move her feet in like a circular fashion on the floor. Yeah, like which um, apparently is reminiscent of like uh, praying mantis style of karate. I think, I but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's I don't know how we came back to last airbender. See, this is how good last airbender is. That we're on Korra, but we end up talking about Last Airbender. That's just how good. Happens. Um, okay. Uh, you talked about Milo being your favorite character. Again, I think this show has a ma- the mass the massivest the biggest weakness that the show has is that I think the characters in the show are kind of weak. Um, I like I think Korra is a very intriguing character. She's probably my favorite character. Um, Tenzin is another one of my favorites. After that, it like kind of severely falls off. Lynn yeah. is Lynn is pretty cool. Um, look out for her as far as like, you know, what the uh like what the show will bring with her, but her team, right? Like Naga, even like Naga's forget uh forgetful. Forgetful? No. What are you talking about? That's that's amazing. I love the bear. Yeah, but like he, she, he doesn't do anything, or she not, doesn't do anything. She's not really. an appa, right? Like, is like okay. The animals, like, um, I forget Roku's dragon, but all their animals seemingly die with them, and oh. those animals are they're known as their spirit guides, right? Right. Naga doesn't seem to have any sort of that kind of connection with Ang or sorry with uh Korra. Korra. I could see that. I mean, and I see what you're saying. Like she she hardly has any screen time. There's no connection with the rest of the team. Now, it, I'll be honest with you, a lot of that is because <coughs> she can't fly. And she's not that big. If she was bigger and they would do a lot of the adventures with her, so it's just based off the way that the season is where they're not really going from place to place. They're all just within Republic City, so they don't really use Naga all that much. And the other times that they could be using her, they're using the car. So Naga just kind of feels... Yeah, which does definitely make more sense. Which kind of just makes Naga feel, like, useless. Um, I could see that. Yeah, that's why... So there's definitely that loss of it. Um, Yeah, and... And then again, like the rest of the team is like, okay, so I remember I mentioned last episode and I was right, right? I hope you enjoy pro bending because you will never see it again. I really enjoyed the, the format and the, yeah, no, it I was, enjoyed it. it. It was awesome. I, it was very satisfying to watch. Um, like you said, the rules seemed very thoroughly put together. Um, Almost fair-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like no hosing, no just yeah. excessive whatever. So yeah, they had fouls and whatnot. Um, and I know we're jumping around a bit because that's how we all do. But uh, when they put Amon's mask on Avatar Aang's statue, I was furious. I was like, "How dare you? That is so disrespectful." Is that like grounds for death? 
that for me that is I, that's uh <laughs> capital punishment worthy right like how dare you um, i can see that i mean i could really see that capital punishment and then whenever um general iroh hits uh you know when he's fighting the airplanes right and then his, he has an mm-hmm. like, abandoned ship and then he gets saved by Aang's statue right right he uh he said thanks for looking out for me Aang. my heart melted melted hearing zuko's voice obviously it's not zuko right it's mm-hmm. general iroh but, but he kept zuko's, that yeah hearing, he kept that through the generations yeah hearing zuko's grandson with Zuko's voice saying, thanks for looking out for me, Aang. And like you said, he kept that respect that for Aang, right? Zuko must have brought up his son or daughter, whichever. Um, he must have brought them up with, like, you know, great respect for Aang. And then they, in turn, brought up their own son, General Iroh, with great respect for Aang. So it's amazing. It's, yeah, it does. It, it, it does really. It's home. Yeah, it, it hits home and it also kind of exemplifies. Do you remember that episode in Last Airbender where it says, Do you think uh, some friendships are so strong they can transcend lifetimes? This is the, an example of that. Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean, there's no other greater example than what he literally said. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I was, I, I, did, I didn't think they were going to put that in there, but when they came up, it was, ama- it was just amazing. Yeah, no, I, I can't agree more. I loved, loved, loved. Uh, that scene so much. Um, I also loved the the United. It's basically the United Nations Navy that showed up, right? Those ships. Yeah, they were cool. Those were so they were really cool. cool. There's and it, it does show, you know, like now that the four nations, well, I guess three nation plus Tenzin's family. Oh <laughs> uh, <well>, yeah. <laughs> I think it is cool that like now that we've seen that kind of come together the the hundred year war ended and like you know a lot of time has passed since the hundred year war ended mm-hmm. uh it's been like what maybe 70 years or something like that yeah um since that i do think it's cool that there's so much unity now like you know like you see in those ships there were firebenders or earthbenders and waterbenders and they had stations for them right or the waterbenders would stay on the side and i guess to patch up any holes or damage that would happen to the ship with the ice. And then the cannons were all fired by fire vendors. And then, you know, they even had like artillery that were fired, like those earth discs and stuff. It was just, it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. like a multi bender use. It was, yep. Yeah. It was a battleship of multiple vendors and it, it was just fantastic. Um, I would love, love, love in the future. If you, you know, once the air nation becomes air nomads become big and they're on a battleship, you just have a, like 17 airbenders come together, fire like air cannons, right? That would be freaking awesome. I mean, or, or, okay, you know how a railgun is just like, it's a magnetic thing. They use magnets to just fire just straight projectiles. Mm-hmm. What if you had like that kind of concept, like a railgun, just airbenders on the side and an earthbender throwing like, like shrapnel, like earth, and then earth or even metal, right? Because again, metal bend. So they just fire like metal through, and then airbenders that are standing on the side of the railgun just accelerating, you know, accelerating it. Like that's a railgun. That's a that is a bending railgun. That'd be super cool. I mean, uh, those concepts seem to they would seem to hold up. Yeah, 
I mean, and that's what I love about this world is because it gets creative. I, I remember someone on Instagram recently was talking about like, I will, I don't want the future stuff, you know, less technology, more bending. And I, I heavily disagree. I think what makes Cora really cool is how they've integrated how the world continues to evolve while bending still stays there. And even the bending evolves, right? Like we talked last episode about how the bending styles evolved. It became more boxing oriented. The style of fighting became more focused and not so much um, flippy movements and whatnot. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't have, I had still, I don't have very many quorums with the way they've, the way this show's gone on so far. No, I, I really, I, I really don't. Um, the only thing I would say, uh, is just the, the, uh, the, the lack of characters. And I think honestly, it's more of a lack of episodes more than anything. Like I, I want to fall, I want to fall in love with the characters more. <laughs> so I need, I need more characters or more time with the characters for that reason. Now, do you think they did that just so they could hyper focus mainly on everybody else or like uh, just the, yeah, I think that it, okay. So. For those of you listening who don't know, Legend of Korra was supposed to be a one-season show. This was supposed to be the only season, done and done, move on. It was more like a love letter to the fans. Like, we know you love A Last Airbender. We had another idea for a waterbending avatar after Aang. Here it is. Here's her journey. Done. And it ended up catching traction. And it ended up blowing up. And that's why they ended up making more seasons for it. So if anyone thinks that like, wow, this season kind of felt a little rushed and, you know, if you wanted to stop watching after this season, you theoretically could. could. Yeah. Yes. And And in fact, I think you could say that about all the seasons. If you wanted to stop. Season three may be the only one I can think of that maybe you couldn't really stop there. But season two, if you wanted to stop there, you theoretically could there. Um, What did you think of... uh, Gacone, I know we talked a little bit about it, but like, what do you think of like that whole backstory? Like, just that the, the history of Gacone, and then turning his two sons against Republic City, and then them essentially fulfilling their father's wish, un unknowingly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I that was. I mean, I don't know. It seemed to me that. The two brothers. It just seemed like the Amon brother was Natuk. No, Noah Talk. Noah Talk. It just seems like he came into all this power and wealth, and I just don't, I don't like. They never really gave us any backstory on how he like got that much influence. Right. Um, I wish they would have gave us yeah. more of like, uh, hey, this is how he gained power and influence bending world without showing that he was a bender. Because really, was he? what was he doing by taking it away? I, I, I'm still trying to figure that out, what he did with the bloodbending. Um, okay, so, okay, so I, I, do, I did want to talk about this um, because we did... You know, we were theorizing, well, you were since I've already seen the show, about like how is he able to take the bending away? Um, and we, you, we were kind of right, or I guess you were kind of right when you theorized that like if he's blood bending, means he's physically stopping the chi or the, the physically 
stopping something from the nervous system or something that stops the bending. Whereas when Aang took away, like, you know, Yakon and Fire Lord Ozai's bending, he's taking away the spiritual connection. That, and that's way more effective. That seems kind of permanent. I, I assume Aang might be able to give it back if he wanted. No confirmation on that. Right. But yeah. But yeah, so the taking, giving the bending, taking the bending away from Amon was a physical connection. He would physically cut it off, which. Now, as I'm rewatching it now, it's made me start thinking that's a very temporary solution, right? Even if he was able to do that with the entire world, mm-hmm. when you, when someone else will eventually be born with bending, right? Because it's a spiritual thing. You're born with it or you're not. And that's it. Right. So. So it was kind of like a half. A half solution. Yeah, his issue to the issue he had. Mm-hmm. It wasn't everybody's issue. It was just him. Yeah, it was just him. Which is which is like, I wonder how the rest of the world viewed Amon during that time. I wonder if they're like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that does bring up a good question, right? Because whatever the non-benders were feeling within Republic City. You'd have to assume that something similar was being felt by the non-vendors to the rest of the world, right? Right. Because, I mean, human nature is like that. If I'm born with something and you're not, you're going to, you're going to most likely, there's going to be some scent, uh, like resentment there. Right, right. Even right. though, like, I did nothing to be born with it and you did nothing to be born without it. Right. And there's more. It's almost like um, it's almost like you're complaining, right? Like, and and if you think it. about it, like in this world, it's not even like whereas Aang's time, benders were clearly on top. Here, I, I don't think that's a, that's the case. I mean, Cabbage Corp and which we do, I do want to talk about that. Cabbage Corp and the Satoshi, right? Uh, Future Industries, right? Uh, Asami's father. Mm-hmm. That whole company, those are all both run, started, and profitable under non-vendors. But that, does that does that constitute power? I well, it doesn't necessarily constitute power. But what what freedoms do non-vendors have, or don't have? That vendors do. That vendors do exactly. Like there are gangsters that are bending gangsters that attack. Seemingly lot. everybody, by the way, they, there is there's no indication that these gangsters were not hurting uh, benders, right? And they were only specifically targeting non-benders. Now, obviously, if you're a non-bender, you have fewer things to be able to protect yourself, right? You're not walking around with the magical ability to bend the elements to protect yourself. So there's that. But those are gangsters, right? Those are criminals that need to be brought to justice. I wholeheartedly agree with that. But th- what is there any indication that there were any rights that the benders had that the non-benders didn't? I don't think so. I really don't. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but I'm not saying what Amon did was unrealistic. I think the writing was still great. I do think Mm -hmm. Amon, I mean, again, it goes into the same human nature when you have something that I don't, even if you're born with it, out of like no fault of my own or your own, I'm going to feel resentment towards you. So Amon preyed on that. Um, right. But again, Amon also did firmly believe that that was not right. That he do, he does believe in equality from a young age. That's what Tarlock said. Right. And it 
it's just it's one of those things where it went all the way to the extreme. It's not yeah. like he was just born into straight hatred, which kind of, but not really. Yeah. Um, so I did want to talk about Cabbage Corp. Well, very quickly. Uh, I did think that that was a really cool, again, love letter kind of moment to the fans, right? The My Cabbages guy, his mm-hmm. descendant becomes Cabbage Corp. I think that's really cool. Um, that was cool. And now, I wonder, I really wish there's a little backstory to that, and I wonder how it all came about. Like, I how mean, did it become Cabbage Corp? <laughs> I love your thirst for, like, thorough knowledge, because I'm kind of the same way, right? Like, I want full details about all of it all of it yeah right like when Amon left when he was Noah talk when he left did he go straight to Republic City when he got there well how did he you know get his gang moving up up in the world and whatnot so I, I do I do want all that and first of all how did he discover that he could take bending away yeah and you that's know? another thing so, too like how like we we finalize on how he can do it, but how did he get to that conclusion? Like, was he just like, oh, let me just try this? So yeah. Anyways. And I wonder, I wonder if he just like walks up to a random dude, beat the crap out of him, and was like, here, let me put my thumb on your head and see if this works. And obviously, uh, it worked. Yeah. So you know, wait, let me see how. You, oh, how about that? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I liked his character. I think it was a necessary evil to kind of bring him into light. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, there was nothing fighting back against Benders. It's, it's, it's really, if it came to militaristic power, if you don't have Benders, you're, you're screwed. Okay, but again, who was fighting against, uh, he was necessary evil. Why, though? Because we talked about this just now. Fighting against what? Because there's peacetime, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, again, fighting against himself. It could be <laughs> one of those things where the reason he did all of it is for his own personal gain. Make him right. feel better. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, make yeah, exactly. Make him feel better about he feels guilty that he has... Um, Bending and anyone else, everyone else doesn't, I guess. Is that what you're getting at? I guess, man, but it was hard because the backstory they gave us for him was more like, oh, he had a he had a father that he didn't like. So it was like, I mean, that's fine, but what, you know, I just needed more backstory on him. And it's okay if we didn't get it. It doesn't bother me at all. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things where you're like, man, I wish we would have got more of that specific character. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and I think because if you look into it, it kind of falls apart relatively quickly, doesn't it? Right. Um, as to, wait, why is it that he came to the conclusion that he came to, I guess, you know? Which is an extremist conclusion. It's like, all right, we kill everybody. It's yeah, like, yeah, you? exactly. Um, and, you know, like we talked about, like, how I need more details as to how was it that the non-benders were being treated unfairly by the system itself. It, it almost seems Gangsters like... Gangsters were... are always going to be there. You can take away everyone's bending. Do you really think that gangs are not going to exist? That's, that's all... Crime is going to go away. Muggings. Theft. 
You know, you think it's that that's all going to go away? It's, it's not, not going, going to. Away. Just because there's no benders, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. Yeah, exactly. So that that's why, um, you know, that, that that's just, that was my thing, too. Uh, I agree that I think Amon seemed a little short-sighted. Uh, and it was just, in my opinion, teenage angst that yes. carried on too far. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't really have anything left to talk about, I don't think. Thing. No, it's just it's gonna get better. It's getting better, and like I said, I I, I haven't been able to put the show down. Yeah, no, I, I I'm glad you like it, honestly. So, uh, the art style, the we get more bending. Like it's just like it's more like a casual thing now, which I really like. You know what I mean? Like it's they're just cat like they'll just casually bend, or the fights where they're bending, there's more of it. I really I really appreciated the fact that that was the case. They would have gave us another avatar where it was more chit chat and filler and training. I I get that part with Aang's with Aang, but with Korra, she was a child and she was bending three elements. Yeah, no, that's you're, you're absolutely right. She was bending, and I I think this is where people kind of like get, they get upset that Korra is not Aang, and I don't like that. But you also see too; they don't overpower her. Yeah, no, I agree. I hundred percent agree. That's why I think that's why I like Korra's like setup is that I think people wanted another Ang without admitting that they want another Ang. But that's just not that's not what that would have not. That's lazy storytelling. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it would have been lazy storytelling. Don't give me the same thing again. Right, and you've already given me the story. Give me something else. Give me a different character. And Korra is a completely different character. She lacks confidence because she has fear. Aang was taught from a very young age, uh, you know, to let go um, and, you know, just be calm, patient, all that stuff. So he didn't really have that much fear. He had the fear that, you know, coming, he's a 12-year-old kid fighting against a dictator um, and, you know, trying to end a 100-year war. But, yeah, no, I don't know. It it feels to me like... uh, People just wanted another Aang, and they got someone who's not that. And I think that that shows the strength. But that's of the what writers. we needed. Yeah, that's what we needed. We didn't need another Aang. Yeah, I agree. we needed a Korra. I agree. I agree. So, um, like I said, I don't think we have really much left to talk about. Next time we'll be covering the first half of book two. Which, okay, uh, again, book two, season two, whatever. How do you want to say it? I'm not going to lie to you guys. It is the weakest uh, season of all four seasons of the show. Uh, And there's 14. Yeah, there's 14 episodes. So we'll do the first seven. But it just I'll talk about as to why I think when we finish off season two, why I disliked it so much. Mm -hmm. And this is not just a me thing, by the way. An overwhelming majority of people agree. And I that season two was the weakest. I actually don't know anyone that says any season is weaker. Really? Yeah. Some people, uh, as uh, as far as like what season's their favorite, will toss up between one, three, and four. But I've never heard anyone that has not said that season two is the weakest. Is that just because of storytelling or? Um, it feels rushed. Yep, that always does the game. Uh, rushed and. Something else, but I don't want to say because of spoiler reasons, but yeah, we will definitely talk about it. 
Um, season four is the other one, by the way, that is generally considered the, one of the weaker seasons, just not as weak as season two. Right. Um, but and, yeah, and it, it, there has to be one weak season. Yeah, it and just be. I still think it's okay. It's weird because I still think it's kind of uh, anywhere from okay to good is how I would uh, rate season two. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm not. I mean, again, it, to me, it just seems like in these in these animes, there has to be there has to be at least one season where they start to they even d- dive into the character. I'm sorry. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. But I, I feel like I feel like people don't like that because it's like it's like no, you need some of this information because it's gonna be applicable later. I'm assuming. All right, well, that'll about cover it for us for that episode. Like I said, next time we'll be covering Season 2, Episodes 1 through 7. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time.